Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. What a person or a church looks at, and in what direction a person or a church looks at, reveals not only the intention, but also the desire of that individual or congregation. I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that our eyesight is a very valuable asset, not only to our physical pleasure, but also to our spiritual progress. And so our eyesight should never be abused. Why? Because the abuse of our eyesight can lead to catastrophic results. I invite you to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 16 as one example. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And underscore, looking diligently. And as if someone were about to ask, well, why do we need to look diligently? The response resounds, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. The Bible is very plain to instruct that looking diligently is directly linked to our ability to follow peace with all men, and holiness. The Bible is also very plain to instruct that not looking diligently can lead to some catastrophic results. I want to share just four of them with you that are enumerated in verses 15 and 16 of this chapter in Hebrews chapter 12. Not looking diligently can lead to a failure to relate to the grace of God. Not looking diligently can lead to a troubling and a defiling root of bitterness springing up in us. Not looking diligently can lead to becoming a fornicator or to immorality. Not looking diligently can lead to becoming a profane person, and that literally means a godless person person. Do we need to be reminded of the experience of Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden? In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, and when the woman underscore saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also to a husband with her and he did eat. You see, the failure of Eve and Adam in regard to looking diligently not only affected their relationship with God, it also affected their relationship with one another. It not only affected their relationship with God and one another, it affected their relationship with all of nature. And you and I today are continuing to reap the effects of their not looking 
diligently in our lives that we are living as we're standing on the threshold of entering into a new year. As you and I as individuals and as a church congregation approach the threshold of 2020, I'm impressed to remind us of a prescription from Heaven's Optometrist, a prescription that will ensure 2020 vision in the upcoming year. The prescription is found in Isaiah 45 and verse 22. Underscore these three words. God is talking to that generation, and God is still speaking to our generation today. Look unto me, and be you saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. May I repeat those opening words again? Look unto me, and be saved. There are some basic directions in which you and I as individuals and as a church congregation must look when the command of God given to Isaiah is heeded. And these basic directions are extremely important if you and I are not only to initially experience the joy of salvation, but also the joy of continuing to walk in the process of God's atonement. And I want to share four of them with you. Number one, there must be an upward look. This direction is the avenue for receiving divine aid, for being a receiver of heaven's assistance. You see, you and I must become convicted, and we must be convinced that God is God, and there is none else. God longs to be your God, and God longs to be my God, and we must have an upward look. I love to read the book of Psalms. For many years, I read through the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs every month. I did this by reading five Psalms and one Proverb. I did this for probably six or seven years. I love the book of Psalms and, and Proverbs. In Psalm 5 and verse 3, there's a verse that spoke to my mind and heart when I was a young preacher boy and continues to speak to my mind and heart even today after being a minister of the gospel for over 55 years. My voice shalt thou, he's talking to God, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I, underscore, direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. I really believe that it would do us good before we allow our feet to touch the floor every morning, since we're already in a position of looking up to make that a spiritual moment with God, to look up in God's direction. The psalmist well expressed the truth that had become a vibrant part of his experience and conviction. Listen, as he declared in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, 
I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So again, I say, my friends, you and I not only initially look upward to receive salvation, our practice must remain the attitude of looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, just because one experiences an initial joy by looking upward doesn't mean that the future will automatically produce roses and lollipops. There may come times in our life journey that we experience stench. There may come times in our sojourn as we are marching toward heaven that, that we experience sourness. And during these times, it is imperative that you and I look upward. We must purpose daily to exhibit the spirit and the determination of the first Christian martyr. Do you remember what's recorded of him? I refresh our memory by reading Acts 7 and verse 55. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, underscore, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. While stones were hitting his body and death was imminent, Stephen, in that sour and stenchful moment, looked upward, saw God, and found victory. Secondly, not only must there be an upward look, there must also be an inward look. This is the look of self-examination. As you and I move among our family, as we move among our friends, as we move even among our foes, our family and friends and foes are constantly observing our words. They're constantly observing our actions, and our words and actions can either encourage or discourage them. It can either encourage them in our God or discourage them relative to our testimony and our experience with God. And so, this is why the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth these words, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves. And as if someone were about to ask, well, why, Pastor Paul, should we be examining ourselves? He resounds, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28, let a man examine himself. John, the beloved disciple, definitely added an inspired postscript to this principle when he penned these words in 2 John verse 8, look to yourselves. And again, as if someone is about to ask, well, why is it so important? 
that we look to ourselves. He continues, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought or accomplished, but that we might receive a full reward. Is there anybody else besides me that wants to receive a full reward? We do, don't we? And so God says, if you and I would receive a full reward, there must be the self-examination. The sincere Christian who desires his or her walk with Christ to constantly improve must periodically take time to conscientiously stand before the mirror of self-reflection. Sister Jan, it was not by chance that you had that children's story today and that mirror. It was ordained of the Lord to accent what I'm about to say. You see, unless you and I as individuals and unless you and I as church congregations periodically, conscientiously stand before the mirror of self-examination, we could miss what God is wanting us to see about ourselves. On these occasions, when we stand before the mirror of self-reflection, it's imperative that we discard ego hang-ups. It is important that we remove all prejudice estimates of ourselves and allow God's Holy Spirit to reveal who we really are. One of my favorite writers pins something that has been used by God's Holy Spirit to minister to me personally in this regard. It's found in letter 37, written in 1887, counsels to writers and editors. Man has to learn himself before God can do great things for him. May I repeat that? Man, woman, young person, church. Man has to learn himself before God can do great things for him. There are times when our character and personality will emerge and will manifest things that should cause us to pray for a divine transplant. And there are other times that when we look into the mirror of reflection, we will rejoice because of what God has done for us and God is giving us the opportunity to do for His glory and His honor. And I will be one of the first ones to admit that this inward look sometimes is painful, but it is necessary, and there is no justification to neglect it. We need to be frequently asking God to help us to always be the man, the woman, the young person in the church that God can be pleased with and can bless others. 
The practical apostle James penned in James 1 and verse 24, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, in a mirror. He beholdeth or looks at himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. My friends, real revival comes to us as individuals, and real revival comes to us as a church when we intensely see God for who God is, and we also see ourselves just as we are with all of our strengths and all of our weaknesses. Thirdly, there needs to be an outward look. John chapter 4 and verse 35, Jesus was talking to that generation, and I believe he is saying the same thing to ours today. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, underscore, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. This is an important injunction given by Christ. Why? Because there's so many of the population of our generation who do not have the consolation of knowing the joy of walking with Christ. And you and I must be looking outwardly as we observe the signs of the time, and we must become alarmed like never before that there's so many boys and girls and men and women who are on the verge of missing spending eternity with God. Jesus wants all of us to be a part of God's family now and a part of that grand meeting on the other side. Sadly, though, it has been aptly stated that there are some of us and I'm not being critical, I'm not being judgmental, I'm placing myself in the category, there's some of us who are so heavily minded, we are a very little earthly good. There was a song written several years ago that surely must express the feelings of God on occasions, and the chorus goes like this. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems that all my children want to sit around my table, and no one wants to work in my fields. No one wants to work in my fields. Oh, my friends, Jesus is returning. And Jesus is returning to gather a family into the glories of heaven. And you and I have been entrusted with a wonderful work and as we allow the outward look to excite us, 
we can fulfill the great commission of our Savior to make disciples of all men. And then finally, there must be the forward look. I read from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and underscore, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, my friends, God desires for us God desires for us as individuals, and God desires for us as a church to be continually making progress as we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And what was the Apostle Paul's formula? Was it for him only? No. Underscore this key for the rest of your life and living, his formula was reach forth unto those things which are before. You see, this kind of forward look is a look of faith. This kind of forward look is a look of expectancy. I can think of no better verse to quote to express this than Hebrews 9 verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So who is Jesus going to appear to? To those who are looking for him. Whom oh, my Christian friends, every step you and I take as individuals, every step you take as a congregation must be toward the glorious appearing of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. And these steps are upon a solid foundation. As you and I stand on the threshold of the year 2020, I am encouraging us as individuals, and I am encouraging us as a church to offer ourselves as candidates so that the ISAV of God's Holy Spirit will constantly be applied. Constantly applied so that we can look upward and see God and His glory. So we can look inward and see ourselves as we really are. So we can look outward and see others and their need. So we can look forward and see the soon return of Jesus. As you and I enter the year 2020, may we ever be looking diligently so we can have 2020 vision. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30.
The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.